Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to be interviewing my dear friend today, Marnie Wasserman, on today's podcast. Marnie and I have been longtime friends, and you will definitely hear about our journey in the episode today. I met Marnie when she was teaching cooking classes in her parents' house many, many years ago, and that's how we connected, and we've been friends ever since. And as two nutritionists that are healing and dealing with Hashimoto's, she has been my go-to, and I've kind of been her go-to throughout this journey, and as we discover and learn and find out more about autoimmunity and about nutrition and diet and supplementation and self-care. We just share what's working for us, what's not working. And we've just really sort of been each other's support system throughout this journey. And it's really the reason why we created our Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's online program so that we can also create that support system for you guys. So I'm really excited for today's episode. We chat about lots of things. So Marnie shares her journey as she switched from a vegetarian diet to a paleo diet and introducing animal proteins. And we talk about grain-free eating. And of course, we dive into Hashimoto's and what that journey has been like for Marnie and how she discovered that and some of the tips and the strategies that she's been implementing to really support her autoimmunity. And we dive into her lifestyle of how she's moved outside of the big city and the importance of self-care. And there's just so much great stuff that we share in today's episode. And I know you guys are going to love it. And it's so funny because I am live on the Ultimate Health Podcast today, which is Marnie and Jesse's podcast. And she's live on mine today. So we did not plan that at all, which is really, really funny. And so here we are, October 2nd. She is live on mine and I am live on there. So you can definitely go check out my interview at the Ultimate Health Podcast, which is so funny. What a coincidence. So Marnie Wasserman's life is rooted in healthy eating and healthy living. Not only a new nutritionist and chef, but also the co-host of the Ultimate Health Podcast. She is also the author of Fermenting for Dummies and Plant-Based Diet for Dummies. Marnie uses passion and experience to educate individuals on how to adopt a real food diet, and a balanced lifestyle through simple strategies. Marnie loves to spend her time creating new recipes, practicing yin yoga, biking outdoors, or playing with her Australian shepherd, Goji. So let's dive in to today's episode with Marnie. Hi, Marnie. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I feel like we're going to have an epic girls talk today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So before we dive in, please share with our audience more about you and what you do. 
All right. So how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> Whatever works. Okay. Well, my background is in nutrition. I'll streamline it. So my background's in nutrition, holistic nutrition. I went to the Institute of Holistic Nutrition here in Toronto and I became a nutritionist and going through that programming showed me another opportunity I took advantage of, which was going to culinary school. So I did that, went to New York and did culinary school. And through those two worlds, I became very passionate about teaching and educating people about nutrition and I started doing cooking classes. So that's kind of my whole background. I spent 10 years doing cooking classes, educating people, and being really immersed in that world, and I loved it. It was fabulous. And while I was doing that, I also happened to meet my now husband and partner in the Ultimate Health Podcast. And about four years ago, it actually be four years very soon in September, that we started the podcast. So I morphed from teaching cooking classes, which was my day job, and educating people online, which I still do. And now I have moved into the realm of the podcast. So the education and the passion for health and nutrition continues. And I get the opportunity now to reach more people through this platform, which you're getting to know very well. And it's amazing and it's super fun. And that's kind of what I do right now. So nutritionist, chef, podcaster, author, I wrote two books along the way, plant-based diet for dummies and fermenting for dummies. And just health enthusiast, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So Marnie and I go way back. I used to come to your cooking classes. In, I know. And they were, I think, in your parents' house at the time before you had your own food studio. That's right. That was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Yeah. So yeah, just to clarify that, I was teaching out of my parents' home for six years. And then I opened up my own food studio in Midtown Toronto. And that was for the next four years. So altogether, that was 10 years. And then I closed that up about two years ago. And now I'm in the online world. Yeah. So what's that transition been like from going to this brick and mortar to strictly online? It's been interesting. You know, I've always been an in-person person. Even when I was doing personal training way back before, I've always been someone that loved working with people in person, face-to-face. -face. So having the cooking classes was perfect and fulfilled that, that skill, that desire, and, and something I was very comfortable with. And moving into the online world, I think a long time ago I had considered it, but I wasn't ready for it. It was just too intimidating, too much work. At the time that I opened up my food studio, I actually had the choice to go online at that point or to open up a physical space. And I chose a physical space after having no overhead in my parents' home. So I made that choice at that time. And I was very happy with that. But then when I made the choice to go online a couple of years ago, it was the right time. So it was actually a very smooth transition because I was ready for it and I'd already started to do the podcast, which already gave me a big taste of what the online world was like, how much fun it was, and having a partner who's able to help with that and knows a lot of the technicalities of that made that transition really smooth. And at the same time, I was ready to give up a physical space. I had taken on that, I don't want to say burden, but that load for many years and I did not want to be tied down to a brick and mortar location. So having that freedom... I think was like everything. And that, that made that transition really easy for me. Awesome. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of freedom that comes with the online space, of course. So I feel like we have so much to talk about and share. And for those listening, Marnie and I regularly connect because we share all about our Hashimoto's updates and what's working for us and what's not working. But before we dive into all things Hashimoto's, I would love to hear more about your story and your transition from eating vegan 
and going to more paleo and introducing animal proteins. What was that journey like for you? Yeah. And at the time that you were taking that cooking class, that's when I was in my high time of being vegetarian and my classes were all vegetarian. So I was vegetarian for about seven, eight years. And I actually was vegetarian for a couple of years back in my teens. So it's something that was a big part of my life for many years and always a desire for me. So when I made that choice to go vegetarian for the eight years, it was so right. And I felt great for many years. But then things started not feeling so good in my body and I started to really pay attention to what was going on, but I did not equate it to diet at first because I was a very healthy, very balanced vegetarian. So it was really interesting for me to eventually pinpoint it down to potentially my diet could be harming my health or affecting my gut or the way that I'm feeling. So it took a long time for me to wrap my head around that. And I made that transition very slow. It was very paced out based on how I was feeling and what I wanted to eat at the time. So eggs was first, which I kind of followed the hierarchy of, of animal protein of what's easiest to eat and what's most complex to eat. <laughs> and I started with eggs. And a couple years later, I brought in fish and then I brought in chicken So the mental component to that, it was very difficult at first because I was so committed to being vegetarian and it felt good to my body on a very holistic sense. Like my body felt good on it and my mind felt good and at peace with it because I was an animal lover and there was a lot of ethical reasons that I chose to become vegetarian. So it took a long time for me to settle into the fact that animal protein could help to nourish my body in a different way. So as I started slowly ease into that transition, I think... After chicken was in and I was a, kind of in a nice balance phase where I was eating, I don't know, maybe a couple times a week I was bringing animal protein on, on the rotation. At that time, which was probably about three years ago now, I really started to pay attention to my digestion and how I was feeling. And I started to figure out that I needed to start taking more things out at the same time. So not just adding these foods in, I'm like, okay, beans and grains and soy probably needs to come out. And that's when I was first introduced to the AIP. And this will kind of start leading into a little bit of Hashi talk, but I had no idea at this time that I had Hashimoto's. I just knew something was off. So I knew I had to change my diet. Something had to give. So when I started to figure out what had to be eliminated, I had to start thinking about upping those doses of protein that three times a week was probably not enough. It probably needed to be daily. I probably needed to start basing my meals around animal protein and still keep all my favorite veggies and healthy fats in there and a little bit of fruit. All the things I was already doing that was good and plant-based could still keep up minus the beans and grains and soy. So it was about, I can't even calculate now, it was about two years now. And you know this very well because it was your fiance, Gaytan, who- (laughs) help me make that transition to the red meat. Because at that time, that's when I realized I needed more options, not just chicken, fish, and eggs. I needed to start exploring the red meat world, which was really hard because I was probably 13 when I first took red meat out. So it was really hard for me to wrap my head around that. But I also knew that I needed to nourish my body and I needed options. And I didn't look at red meat as, oh, I'm craving it. Finally, I can bring it back in. It was like, this is a food that my body probably needs. And I looked at it as a supplement. So Lo and behold, I had that meal. (laughs) I had my first red meat meal, which was very interesting for my body to eat and digest. And it was okay. It wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. And now red meat just becomes kind of a once in a while thing for me. Cause I, again, I don't gravitate it that much, but I know it's something that I need. And now it's been almost two years that I've been pretty much eating a diet that is 
based with a lot of animal protein, a lot of plants, a lot of veggies. So the transition has gotten easier and easier. It's easier for me to talk about. It's easier for me to prepare recipes with it. It's easier for me to just be an advocate for the fact that I don't believe a vegetarian diet is healthy for sure, not for me, and maybe not for a lot of people going through what I've gone through. I know there are some people who do thrive on it, but my perspective has completely shifted and my health is slowly starting to escalate upwards, which gives me a really good indication that I'm moving in the right direction. Awesome. And so I know that when you were starting the podcast, you were interviewing, obviously, and you still are interviewing a lot of amazing experts and professionals and functional medical doctors. So was that one of the first areas where you started to like hear over and over and over about switching more to paleo? Where was it that you started to hear about making the switch to more animal products would be beneficial for you? Great question. So yeah, it was a combination of the guests on the podcast who had a very similar story to myself being vegetarian, vegan for years and their health started to break down and they were listing off similar symptoms that I had and how they were able to make that mind switch. And I think that's what fascinated me most is that they were able to not be so closed-minded and open their mind to something else, even though they were so ingrained in that vegan world or that one way of thinking. So that kind of gave me the confidence and inspiration that I could change my mind too. And after hearing it over and over again, it becomes easier. And then when you have your naturopath and of course my family was concerned. So of course they're going to give their two cents and say, maybe you should consider animal protein or bone broth or whatever it is. But my naturopath who had the lab work and was able to show me my blood and things that were happening in my body, again, not that I knew that not eating beans and grains would help that lab work, but knowing that I had to try something new and I tried everything. So I was like, okay, you know, this doesn't look so good. You're concerned. I'm concerned. Let's make the change. So between that and starting to slowly shift my mindset, that's what kind of made everything start to move in a different direction. Well, I feel like you did it in such a healthy, balanced way and you got a lot of knowledge around it and you did a lot of testing. And more than that, you really tuned into what was working for you and not working and you really honored that. So I think you did it in such a really great way. And I think that's the key point is checking in. I checked in with myself at every stage. And as I said, it was probably over the course of maybe two and a half years. I don't even know for sure, but definitely over more than two years that I made those moves and brought foods in and checked how my body felt. And I didn't think I was going to eat fish. And then one night I'm like, I feel like a piece of fish. Like I really listened to my body. I had it. And I remember eating that piece of fish and tuning into my brain and I felt it light up. I actually could feel like my brain was sopping up oils that it hadn't gotten in so long. And I could feel that. So, you know, that was again, a good check-in for me. That's huge. Like I wasn't vegetarian or vegan for as long as you were, but I can remember having cut out red meat for so long. And then I remember eating, I think it was steak and it was just wild, the feeling I had in my body. It was like I was lit up and yeah, it was such a crazy feeling. That was how I started back, back onto meat. So you've also transitioned to completely grain-free, I believe now, right? And how's that been? That's been interesting because I think at first, a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, when grain-free first started to kind of become popular through blog posts and Instagram, I was like, okay, that doesn't seem necessary when you can eat gluten-free or even at the time I was just eating ancient grains like spelt. So it kind of seemed this far off thing that like really didn't need to happen unless it needed to happen. So as I, when I took out the grains and beans 
as a result of just kind of testing and seeing how I felt and I started experimenting with all the alternatives, I realized just how easy it was and how much I actually didn't even, not that I didn't care for grains, but that you didn't need it on your plate. I like root vegetables better. I'd rather sweet potatoes and beets and carrots on my plate than a pile of rice. So I started to realize how easy it was. And then if I wanted rice, you can make cauliflower rice. You can make so many variations shredded up. You can do anything that you want to make it into that texture and you didn't actually need the grain. And then as I started learning about the impact of grains, it changes your mind. Like it really changes your mindset on it. I'll never look at grains the same way. Not to say that I won't ever eat them again. There's once in a while I will have some gluten-free grains here and there. I'm very cautious about it. I won't have anything that's not gluten-free, but I don't enjoy it as much. I don't have the same desire around it. Like, yes, sometimes like if I'm at a Mediterranean restaurant, they have gluten-free pita. It's like a nice treat to have it. And I think that's kind of how I'm looking at grains now is kind of a treat or a filler when I'm out, but I can't see myself preparing them at home. And the wonder of the world of grain-free baking and alternatives is just so fun and fascinating. And I've totally immerse myself in that. I love making desserts and treats and I love making pizza crusts and so does everyone else on Instagram, but it's so much fun (laughs) using all these other alternatives and have these amazing flavors that it's not just like the same like brown rice crust. If you can make like a sweet potato crust or a cauliflower crust or cassava, it's just, it's so fun and the texture. So I'm just having so much fun with grain-free eating now. Yes, I agree. And I know you and I, especially with our online program, we've done a lot of recipe testing and whatnot and sharing our AIP grain-free creations. And it's not that hard to give up once you see all the varieties that you have out there. And you and I have cooked up our own pizzas together and stuff like that. So lots of options. Yes. Okay. So let's dive into Hashimoto's. I am curious to know when you were first diagnosed and Did you have an idea that you had Hashimoto's or was this just something that you had learned about through doing some testing or working with your naturopath? So I have been getting test results from my naturopath for years that always pointed to an imbalance in my thyroid gland with different hormones, as well as adrenal and just sex hormones. Because that's always the first reason that I started seeing a naturopath years ago is because I wasn't getting my period. So I got a very late start to my period. So there was a kind of a whole head start there. Also, I should add in that thyroid issues run in the family. So I knew that there was always a predisposition to the chance that I could develop some kind of thyroid issue of some kind. So it took time for me to really start to dig in and pay attention when I was getting test results and listening to what that meant. I didn't really pay attention. I just wanted to walk out of there with my supplements and and feel good. So again, through the podcast and through learning and digging deeper and reading books and understanding things on a different level, I started to clue in. I'm like, maybe I should start looking at these results a little bit better, or maybe I should make sure I ask for the right results. So last year, last May, after having Elle Russ on the podcast, she has a book called The Paleothyroid Solution, and she laid out exactly what to ask for. It was the first time I thought about getting my antibodies checked. So I went ahead and did that. It wasn't an easy process. I had to kind of go around my medical doctor. And that's exactly what she described on the show, that you're going to probably have a challenge. It's not that easy. And I did. I had that challenge. I had to kind of fight with my doctor to get those results and get those tests. But I did eventually. And lo and behold, it came back and I had Hashimoto's. So I saw all my antibodies were high and I was like, oh my goodness, I wish I paid attention sooner. 
my naturopath maybe was trying to tell me in a different way, never really said Hashimoto's, but said, let's keep working on your thyroid or let's address your adrenals first. And, you know, it was kind of always beating around the bush. So once Hashimoto's came to surface, I was committed to making sure that this is what I'm going to tackle. And now that I understand that it's an autoimmune condition and so many other impacts that it has on my health and well-being and how it could have developed, it just became the forefront of my focus for my health. So it's been a year now that I've really dug into that as what I'm looking to do to bring myself to ultimate health, you know, pun intended. Mm -hmm. So it's been an interesting journey and it's opened up so many doors because now I'm looking at not only my thyroid results differently, but I'm paying attention to all the other lab work or the lab work that I have yet to get that I'm still looking into, whether it's environmental toxins or heavy metals. There's so many things that can come as a player as part of Hashimoto's. So it's opening up a lot of doors for me to dig into my health a little bit deeper. And it's also helped me really focus on my lifestyle and well-being. So it's all kind of gone hand in hand to really upgrade my health. So what have been some of the steps that you've taken to healing? I know that you've dove into GI map testing. There's a lot of self-care strategies, lots of things that I know you've implemented. So why don't you share some of that? Sure. So I started working with a functional medicine team, which I think is the first tip point right there is to work with practitioners who can help you look at this stuff a little bit differently and they're going to help direct you. So I started working with a team last fall that allowed me to get the GI map testing, hormone panel testing, the Dutch test, as well as organic acids. So that was kind of the first entry point for testing that was needed on their end to see what can be underlying everything. Because if there are spins or other imbalances, they can address it from that pinpoint. So the GI map testing, which is kind of the, the standard gut test to really see what's going on, that one came back with a lot of results showing parasites in H. pylori, and other infections that were synonymous with Hashimoto. So that was like, okay, you know, to the functional medicine practitioner, he's like, okay, I can start connecting those dots and, and putting things in place. So that put me onto a protocol of gut healing, which I've been on up until now. And it's been changing all the way along. I'd say like every three to four months, the protocol changes slightly to address it differently. So it's different supplements. The most recent test that we have just gotten is the heavy metals and the chemical sensitivities. And we're just getting the results back for that. But we didn't really get any tests between last fall and now. It's just been supplements. So not my favorite because I do not like supplements. So I take more pride in taking on the lifestyle and the self-care practices, which it was interesting that around the time that I found out that I had Hashimoto's, Jesse and I had made the move out of Toronto, busy city, to Windsor, a smaller city, and had the chance to really focus on our health and healing. And I didn't have my day job teaching cooking classes, so I was able to really take the time every day to take care of me. And I started to build in some practices, including a morning routine, time in my sauna, long walks, time with my dog, time for play, time for good sleep, making all those things a priority, and not keeping my cortisol and my energy levels just so high and up, I was able to really relax and take care of myself. Not to say that things don't come up. Running the podcast is a whole other beast in another business, but we, we have the flexibility to bring those self-care modalities into our day-to-day life. And that's really helped me and helped me manage my symptoms. Yeah. I think that's really huge. You made quite the dramatic change to your lifestyle by leaving the big city. And I know that you've also mentioned before too about 
living in your condo and it was an old building and you just felt like kind of gross, just kind of living in there. Yeah. There could have been molds. There could have been other toxins lurking around. Like there's so many things that I think were at play to how I was feeling for sure. For sure. I speak about it pretty often on the podcast, how like I love our condo and we are actually in a newer building, but when you've got 34 floors and tons of Wi-Fi around you and you don't really control what goes on with like heating and cooling and too much of that, I've experienced a lot of more chemical sensitivities in my environment and that really does play a big role. I think a lot of people neglect that part. They're just popping the supplements, but they're not looking at environmental triggers that could really have an effect on autoimmune or, or any disease for that matter. Yeah. And it's crazy how much we're exposed to that we don't realize, like even just living in a home, like, yes, we're in a new home, but I don't know what the paint is on the walls. Right. I don't know what my couch is off gassing. Like all these things can be key players and it can drive you nuts too. Like you have to totally live. You can't just go live in the forest. Well, you can, but <laughs> you know, to function <laughs> in our society, you have to just do things level-headed and try and do the best you can. Mm -hmm. It's literally one step at a time. And I think starting with your diet and supplementation, like that's a really easy step forward. So what are some of the non-negotiables that you include in your self-care routine? Non-negotiables start first thing in the morning and making sure that I'm hydrated. I get up right away. I drink water. I go to the bathroom. That's just the way my body works. Mm -hmm. And the mornings do vary for me, my morning routine, whether I do go and sit and write in my journal or go and relax or read a little bit of a book. I do that. But sometimes because I function so well in the morning, sometimes it's better for me to get on my computer and do writing or do emails or do things. I'm just firing on all cylinders first thing in the morning. So I take advantage of that. If I'm alert and awake, then I go there. So that's not really non-negotiable. It's just kind of how I start my day. Another non-negotiable is for sure getting to bed between 10 and 11. I try and aim for before 1030 because I feel the best when I go to bed at that time. I wake up between six and seven. I feel refreshed. So once I hit that 11 PM mark or after, that's it. Like it wears me down the next day. I feel like I'm hungover. So I really try and make that a non-negotiable. And I try and set up my evening for that as well, whether it's having tea or just winding down a little bit early. Other non-negotiables are trying to build in some kind of practice into my week, whether it's yoga, whether it's going for a reflexology session or a massage or something that does something for my, my body that makes me feel good. And that's working towards making me better or healing me in some direction, whether it's physically or mentally. So that is something that that's more recent where I have built that into my routine at least once a week. So there's a few. <laughs> that's really, really good. But I think those are all really important places to start. Hydrating, bowel movements, in bed before 10 or 11 o'clock the latest. That's a huge one. I always tell people you've got to get in bed before 11 p.m. 11 p.m. is my cutoff for sure. Mm -hmm. So I know you're leaving for Bali really soon. And how do you feel about the time change? What is the time change? I don't even know what it is there. It is, I think, a full day ahead. Man. So it's like Australia. It's Australia. Right. So it's like a full day ahead. And... Only recently did I, start, I started thinking about that because it's getting closer. And I think when we're there, whenever you're on vacation, you go to your place destination. It's like you can suck up the jet lag because you're there. You're just totally. having to sleep. It's yep. coming home. 
It's coming yes. home. But yeah, I've started thinking about, is it going to take us like three, four days? But then there's so much mixed information on that. I think it really depends on how healthy you are, what you're taking, whether it's supplements or foods, have you grounded yourself? So I'm hoping that I can maybe work around all that and, and <laughs> on track pretty easily afterwards, but we'll see. I'm yeah. just excited to get so far away. Oh my God. It's going to be an amazing trip for you guys. I hear that it's basically for every hour of time change, it's one day of recouping. So I think... I got a, I got a month to recoup. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. I know. We'll I mean, out. we're recording this just before I leave for Italy. So I think what, it's a six hour difference, give or take. So you got about so, a week. Yeah. So about, about a week. So I'll let you know. <laughs> So for those who are listening that maybe have Hashimoto's or an autoimmune condition, what are some tips or advice that you'd like to share with those women listening? So I think once you find out that you are diagnosed, I think knowing that there is a lot of information out there should be really encouraging. There's a lot of books, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of resources and experts because I am finding out even to this day, because I'm constantly learning about it, that... I forgot what the stats are, but most thyroid conditions are actually Hashimoto's. So I'm not saying that to, you know, <laughs> to scare anyone. It's just showing that it is very common, which means that there's a lot of efforts in place to help people along. And there are a lot of modalities that you can build into your day to help that. But I think first things first is to start working with a team that can help you from a functional medicine perspective. That's really important to get on, you know, the right supplements and protocols but I think even more importantly is to have support from friends and family and a community. And then that's exactly what we're so committed to, Sam, is to bring people through a journey of healing that they can start learning and taking control of their own health because there is so much mixed information out there. And it's about kind of simplifying things and just finding the right things to take into consideration. And I think going on a grain-free diet is essential. So I think that's something that people can definitely start with right away. If, if I'm going to give a couple of tips to people is going grain free and definitely testing the waters of the AIP protocol, the autoimmune protocol, whether that's for one month, two months, three months, whatever feels right. And you may need to work around that and see how it feels and which foods feel best. Some people feel good on the autoimmune protocol and some people don't because there's a lot of variations to that, including histamine, all kinds of stuff. So it's worth trying for a month and see how your body does because at the very least, you're taking out so many different inflammatory foods that you may or may not be eating. So working from a dietary perspective, for sure, building in the self-care practices, like we're talking about taking up the chemicals in your home and changing all your body care products and, and upgrading to better ones, really just simplifying things there, getting to bed on time and hydrating and flushing your system constantly with lots of water and teas, watching the different stimulants you might be consuming, whether it's a lot of coffee or different forms of caffeine that could be aggravating your system. I'm a proponent of moderate amounts of caffeine, whether it's from green tea or a green powder supplement or whatever it is, or matcha, but maybe regulating that and watching that. Oh, and one other tip is to bring in some adaptogens. So making those a priority. So whether it's in tincture form or adding turmeric to your meals or taking holy basil in capsule form or drinking holy basil tea, Adaptogens have been a really big part of my healing journey and have helped me day to day to adapt to stress, how I'm feeling, and just knowing that I'm putting in these awesome 
herbs and superfoods that are just boosting up my health and immune system. Because really at the end of the day, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. So you need to tackle the immune system. And that's really one of the primary focuses of healing is to make sure your immune system is in check. Absolutely. So you mentioned coffee. I'm sure there's a lot of people like, oh no, there it is again. Stop drinking coffee, right? So I know you don't really drink coffee. So what are your favorite alternatives? So if I'm going for something caffeinated, I am drinking in the morning. I do drink often before I work out because I work out in the morning. I'll have a greens supplement, whether it's amazing grass or something from Perfect Keto that does have some caffeine or matcha or yerba mate in it. So I'm getting some caffeine through that. And I don't know if it's an alternative to coffee because I was never a coffee drinker. So I wasn't looking for an alternative, but it definitely gives me a boost in the morning. (laughs) But I don't feel like I crash. That's the beauty of it is I actually feel sustained throughout the day. I don't feel like by three o'clock I need another caffeine hit. Maybe there's the odd day or from podcasting and I feel like I need, you know, a little top up. Sure. I'll make a matcha or or I'll have some chocolate or whatever it is. So that brings me to chocolate. That is probably (laughs) one of my daily occurrences, whether it's daytime or nighttime, for sure. And yeah, you're laughing because you know how much I love chocolate. (laughs) And when you're on the AIP protocol, it's torture because you have to get out. But you can have carob. It's not the same, but it's still delicious. But chocolate is, I would say, one to me. It's it's an adaptogen because it makes me adapt to <laughs> to my daily stresses, and I just feel so good eating it. And I don't feel like I react to it. I don't know. Of course, there could be things happening, and that's the wonder and the shall I say beauty, for lack of a better word, of Hashimoto symptoms. Is that like you have no idea what's going on beneath the surface, but I don't feel like I'm reacting to it. So if I'm taking something every day that A, either makes me feel really good or soothing me on some level, or it actually doesn't always energize me. Sometimes it calms me down. If I take it at night and I just have two squares of dark chocolate, 60, 70, or 80%, I actually feel quite calm because of the magnesium in it. So right, yeah, chocolate is is another one. And then elixirs. So if I'm making an elixir with either dandy blend, so dandelion root or medicinal mushrooms, chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane, I often put sometimes in the morning, if I want to make coffee-like elixir, it'll be a lot of dark things in there. I actually don't even add chocolate in the morning, but I could. And coconut milk. I'll use cacao butter. So I guess I am kind of adding chocolate in a different way. Yeah. So that's a really nice soothing way for me to have kind of a a morning cup of something that's really soothing and healing and energizing. But I'm trying to get to the energy from cordyceps or from maca or from ashwagandha, you know, some other kind of natural adaptogen that's, that's boosting my body in a healthy way. Yeah, that's great. I've had a lot of your elixirs and you have a lot of great elixirs in your ebook, A Real Treat. And that's actually a free book that people get when they join us in the Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's program. So let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited. So Marty and I created this program because we are two nutritionists healing and dealing with Hashimoto's. And that's kind of how the program came about. And from our you know, months and months and months of just constantly going back and forth and sharing our journey with each other and what supplements are you on and what are you taking and what's working and what are you eating? So we decided to yeah create this four-week program. 
Yeah, I know we're super excited about it. And we did it last spring and it was great because we have all this knowledge from our own experiences and we're constantly learning and every day reading a new book, whether I'm reading it for podcasts and I've got a guest that specializes in that area or just out of my own curiosity because right. I'm drawn to certain books or resources or blog posts or whatever it is, there's always new things that I'm picking up and trying on and some I'm not trying on and maybe bookmarking it or putting it on the back burner, like, okay, maybe later, or maybe that could benefit someone else. So by bringing all this information together and what we've done is using our two areas of expertise, you know, a lot about women and hormones and a little bit more from the clinical perspective and supplements. Whereas I focus more on lifestyle and nutrition while well, we both do nutrition. So it's interesting that we've been able to kind of put together a four week course that really gives people something to take away with them. And what we're doing is we're not coming at this from, we've got this, we've healed our Hashimoto's and we've got all the answers. We're coming at this from, here's some really good tips, strategies, tools, recipes, resources that you can start bringing into your world to help you along because you might be confused and it's hard to know. And if you are someone who's already part of mine and Sam's community, then you trust us. You know, we're coming at it from a place of authenticity and we're really working through this with you. So it's, it's super fun. Yeah, it is super fun. And you mentioned earlier too, the importance of community, which is so huge because I know that there are so many women out there who are struggling and they're trying to go about this their own and they're also not getting the right testing from their doctor. So they're feeling really lost. And it's another reason why we wanted to create the program so that we can create a community where women can come into and get their questions answered and get the support and just really get that clarity to really support their thyroid and their autoimmune. And so we also provide testing if that's been an issue where you haven't been able to get the right testing. We've got that on lockdown for all of you and we can hook you up with all of that. And we support everybody with supplementation and nutrition and meal planning and just really take you through the foundational things that are going to help you heal your Hashimoto's. And it's not that you're going to heal it in four weeks, but it's really giving you the foundation to start that healing process and that healing journey. So... Exactly. Exactly. And I think, yeah, as you said, the community is key to be able to have someone to ask questions to along the way, or whether it's us answering or other people who've discovered things along the way, it's a place to speak. Cause it's one thing to get your hands on something like a book or download a program and you don't have a way to connect with anyone. It's so important to have that connection and that touch point. Yeah, absolutely. So we do teach the classes live each week and they're obviously recorded as well. So for those of you who are thinking about joining us, we'd love to have you. You can actually head on over to healinghashies.com. You can sign up to get on our wait list and you'll receive a discount as well as you will receive the free healing and dealing with Hashis recipe book that we've got right now. And you can head on over there and you'll get on the list and then you'll be sent all the information to come join us. And yeah, and so we teach it live. So you can ask us questions live as we go through the four weeks and then everything is recorded as well. So you can always go back and re-listen and re-watch everything. So yeah, I'm excited and we're in the trenches with you guys. So don't feel alone. And we are also figuring it out with you at the same time. So yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for our next round. It's going to be really awesome. Yes, me too. So before I let you go, I know that you love spending time in the kitchen, just like myself. And I would love it if you can give us an idea of what you eat in, in the day. 
All right. Well, the days do vary a little bit, but to give you a couple of options for each meal is what a day looks like for me. So breakfast could be a smoothie or a smoothie bowl, which means a very high fat smoothie, very low sugar. I'm adding in fruit from either cherries, blueberries, avocado, maybe like a quarter of a banana, depending on the day and activity level. And the rest is all fat. And the avocado doubles as a fat source as well. And coconut, butter, coconut oil, protein from collagen. So a really fatty smoothie. And sometimes I'll pour that into a bowl and put toppings on top of it, whether it's bee pollen or sometimes some tiger nuts or coconut flakes and make it really filling. So I love that. I gravitate towards that in the morning. It's great, especially in the summer. And that's Um, really easy to make AIP friendly. So it is. Yeah. Very easy to make. Yeah, absolutely. And something that's not AIP friendly right now, it's, I'll do a chia bowl sometimes in the morning. So I'll soak chia seeds and I'll stir in either a coconut yogurt, almond yogurt, or cashew yogurt. So coconut yogurt would be something if you can't do nuts yet, but you can do seeds and you can do chia, you can mix those two together. And then I'll put in some fresh berries. So again, that's something that's very seasonal right now with the berries. They're slowly going out of season, but the mm-hmm. berries were, were very abundant. So that's a breakfast for me as well. Or an elixir, especially as I go into the fall. I love making my elixirs really fatty. So I'll put more coconut butter or cacao butter or nuts. I'll even just put a handful of cashews or Brazil nuts in there, you know, if I'm not doing the AIP protocol. And it's really satisfying and really fatty. And then the odd time I'll, I'll do savory. I'll do either eggs or I'll do like avocado with sea salt and maybe like a grain-free tortilla. Very rarely, I know we've talked about this before, Sam, is like having like chicken or something like that in the morning. And I tried it a few times. I just can't do it. Like I want, <laughs> like on one level, I want to like be able to have like chicken and veggies. I just don't gravitate towards that for my first meal of the day. And that's okay. I have had sausages, like an organic turkey sausage or something like that once in a while, but I wouldn't say that's my regular. So those are some breakfast options. Lunch tends to be more savory. So that'll either be a huge salad with some kind of animal protein or it'll be organic turkey or chicken sausages with veggies and sauerkraut or eggs, or it could be leftovers from dinner the night before. It could be fish or some other kind of animal protein with veggies. And dinner would be the same thing. And I tend to gravitate towards only sweet potatoes as kind of my side once in a while. Again, those are on rotation more so in, in the fall, winter months. And lots of veggies, always tons of green. There is green typically in every meal for me, even breakfast, like in that smoothie in the morning, I'll put a handful of sunflower sprouts or sometimes spinach or kale or another kind of sprout. But every meal will have either a raw green or a cooked green or a sauteed or roasted. Yeah, I love my greens. Awesome. And then of course the chocolate for dessert. For sure. The chocolate <laughs> for dessert or a snack. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, you can obviously head on over to Marnie's Instagram if you want to see pictures of all the food that she's talking about. She posts lots of great recipes and images of all the things that she's eating. So what's your Instagram handle? Share for our audience. Marnie Wasserman. So you can just find me there at Marnie Wasserman, M-A-R-N-I-W-A-S-S-E-R-M-A-N. Perfect. And we'll put that up in the show notes. You can also follow the Ultimate Health Podcast on Instagram too, right? Yep. You got it. Awesome. Well, that was such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing all those amazing insights. And you gave some really great tips for those who may be struggling and just starting out with Hashimoto's and autoimmune and not knowing where to start. And thanks for sharing your journey. And and thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Awesome. Well, everyone, you can head on over to the show notes to grab all of the info to connect with Marnie and head on over to healinghashies.com. Our program will be launching real soon and we're excited to help support and coach you through that program. Well, that was such a fun episode. There is nothing better than getting to interview your friends who you know so well. It's really, really fun to be able to do that. And it's a pleasure having so many great friends and connections in this industry as well. So you can follow Marnie over on Instagram at Marnie Wasserman. You can also follow Ultimate Health Podcast on Instagram as well. And I know you guys are going to love all the things that she shares over on her Instagram. Lots of great recipes and lots of yummy food photos. We are really excited to be launching our four-week Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's online program. For those of you interested, head on over to healinghashies.com and you will receive our free recipe book. And when our program launches, we will be offering a limited time savings as well. And we're really excited to support and guide more women through the complexities of autoimmunity and Hashimoto's. So thank you everybody for tuning in. You can grab today's show notes over at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 30. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Looking forward to chatting with you all next week.